You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message. We're going to start where we were last week, but don't worry. And I'm going to give you a little bit of a review, but don't worry. We'll get to something new, okay? Um, But we're going to start in Luke chapter 1. I just want you to hear the whole story as one whole piece. So we're going to start with Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Um, And uh, so if you've got your Bible, let's do this together. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary, on the other hand, was not so sure. (laughs) She was greatly troubled at his words, wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary's still back there on the conception part. Wait, how will this be? I have never been with a man. I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, which sounds like a horrible idea to me. (laughs) And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. And Mary says, I'm the Lord's servant. Let your word, may your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So I'm going to ask, what do you hear? And I want you to answer me. Just what words or ideas stand out for you as we read this this morning? Holler them out. No word from God will ever fail. And what did somebody over here said? Same thing. Ooh, that's cool. Let it be. Let it be. Yeah, just let it be for me. Just let it be. Yeah, I like that. Anything else? How can it be? How can it be? Right. So there's, there's a certainty and also a very big uncertainty in there. Right. Good. Anything else? Faith. Faith. Yeah. This is a big ask, right? I want to read the last four verses again, and I want you to, to ask you to listen kind of through the faith lens of Mary. Signs, look, look for the signs and wonders, okay? Listen to this part again. We'll start with verse 34. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? It's kind of funny, that little part right there. How can this be, Mary asked, an angel? <laughs> you get it? Maybe it's funny to me and not to you, but that's funny to me. <laughs> I mean, pretty much, if an angel's standing before you, how can this be? Well, a lot of things can be that I wasn't so sure about a minute ago. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. 
Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. So what do you hear this time? When you're listening for signs and wonders, what do you hear? What's that? You hear Mary's yes. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Purity. Purity. Okay. Yeah, there's something very pure and simple about this whole thing and profound at the same time. Acceptance. Acceptance. Okay. Impossibility, but possible. Impossibility. Yeah, the impossible possible. Yes. Yeah. Here's the thing. It's very easy to focus on the human side of this story. After all, the big reveal is that in Jesus, a human, God is with us in a very human form. But we can become so focused on that side of it that we miss the signs and wonders. And we talked about this last week. And again, I'm going to review just a minute, but I'll get, we'll get just to get us all caught up. Um, there's a lot more to the universe than the parts that we see. Even science teaches us that what looks like empty space when we look at the stars is actually matter, substance, that's holding it all together, actual stuff, what scientists call dark matter and dark energy. Do you remember this from last week? So that's the theory. It's like the stars and planets are sitting inside not empty space, but matter, sort of like, like this, like that. Like that. <laughs> so, so the colors in that jar are, are what we can see. The rest of it, if you, if you think of the colors as the stars or the planets, or even just the part in your own life that you can see, the, jelly, the, the black jelly beans, that's the stuff that also is matter. It's all matter. Which means, if this theory is right, that there's a lot more to the universe than the parts we can see. In fact, according to this theory, the universe is 100% matter, but only 5% of it is observable, which means we can only see 5% of what is real. And that idea really captures me. What a powerful thought, if it's true, because it puts scientific theory amazingly in line with what we believe as followers of Jesus. We also believe that we uh, can see, that everything we can see is not the whole story. We also believe in a God whose most real properties are not observable. And we're not talking about just like the intangibles, like character. We're, we're, we're talking about spiritual substance, real things, a whole other piece of the story that cannot be seen. The Apostle Paul told the Corinthians that it's like we're looking through a bad mirror. We can sort of see it, but it's not clear. But one day we're going to be able to see the whole picture. And Paul had more than the average taste of the unseen real. He told the Corinthians about these visions and revelations he had, even being caught up into what he called the third heaven. And he says he heard inexpressible things and lived to talk about it. As followers of Jesus, we know that just because we cannot see it does not mean it doesn't exist. Come on, y'all. Give me an amen on that one. We trust that what is most important, most true, most influential 
isn't even what we can see, but it's, it's, it's what's invisible to the eye. And if all that is true, and if it is also true that everything communicates, which we also said last week, then that ought to impact how we understand the story of God, how we hear it, how we hear the literary equivalent of dark matter that lives between the words and phrases in the Bible that communicate the story of God. What holds those words in place, what holds the story in place, century after century, millennium after millennium, is not thin wishing like thin air, it is the substance of things not seen. Friends, there is more to our Christmas story than we can see. More to this manger scene than meets the eye. So we're learning to look through the words to search for the unseen real, for the signs and wonders, believing they're the substance that hold our story in place, that makes it worth telling. And last week we talked about the miracle of the virgin birth, and today we're thinking together about the miracle of Jesus as both God and man joined together in this child who came into the world through a woman named Mary. So I want you to listen again just to verse 35. Luke 1, 35. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Oh my goodness, there is so much good theology in that one verse. I mean, for starters, it is the beginning of the gospel. A young woman is confronted by an angel and told she will bear a child not by a man, but by the will and provision of God. She's told that the power of the Most High will overshadow her or envelop her or surround her. Who even knows what that means? There is a reaching down to this moment. God breaking through that seen, unseen barrier, to that, that curtain that hangs between the 5% and the 95%, between the unseen real and the part we can see. The divine meets the material world. God descending into our humanity for the sake of love. It is all miracle, all mystery. But it matters. So let's see if we can begin to understand just what happened. The technical term for what happened to make Jesus happen is hypostatic union. And just in case hypostatic doesn't glaze you over, there's another term theologians use, theandric union, which literally means the God-man union. So let's see if we can understand what this means. I want you to Put your hands together like this. I want everybody, put your hands together like this. And say this, hypostatic union. Theandric union. You are going to have the best time at Christmas parties. Pulling this out, it's better than a magic trick. Say it one more time. Hypostatic union. Theandric union. This is a pretty good visual for those Terms, hypostatic union. Not this, don't do this, but this. This is what the angel was trying to tell Mary. Only who can describe this? He who was fully God became fully human. Two distinct natures in one 
person. He who had the, 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 both the power of his divinity and the experience of his humanity, only Jesus was able to reconcile those two natures in one person. So hypostatic union is about the perfect melding of divinity with humanity, fully God, fully man. If you, if you minimize the God side uh, and focus too much on his humanity, you turn the whole story into a fable. You, you, a lot of moral teachings and examples stripped of all their cosmic power. If Jesus was not conceived by the Holy Spirit, he would have nothing to offer us unless he is divine. He has no more power than you or me. So believing this part is the only way I'm going to call Jesus my Lord because I'm not giving my rights over to somebody who does not have God-shaped DNA. But on the other hand, if you minimize the human side and try to turn Jesus into something more like a ghost, you're in danger of erasing the Trinity, unable to accept the unique nature of the Son or His humanity in the temptations, His frustration with fallenness, His suffering on the cross. Jesus, who knew the power of God, came to us, born of a woman, so he could get us, so he could know our suffering and our limits. Jesus resisted sin because he felt it. He loved his enemies as enemies because <clears throat> he sensed their opposition. He forgave people because he experienced the grief of their sins against God. Isaiah says it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows, sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced, this is Isaiah the prophet, for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. So in Jesus, we find the one workable solution to human suffering. Jesus saves Say that together. Jesus saves. Because Jesus had the power to make his sacrifice sufficient. He has accomplished in his body through the perfect union of divinity and humanity what we all long for most. Let me say it again. He had both the power in his divinity and the experience of his humanity. And only Jesus was able to reconcile those two natures inside one person. And that word reconcile is an important piece of the story for you and me. That's what makes the whole story matter to us. Jesus, with all this divinity and all his humanity, was completely at peace. In Jesus was the miracle of a perfect God at peace with an imperfect world. And in survey after survey after survey, when human beings are asked what they want most in this world, do you know what we say? Peace. That's what we all want. Peace. 
We all long to be saved from the chaos and the stress and the unanswered questions and the pressure to be what we can never be, what we were never meant to be. We long to be saved from the tension of that gap between who we think we ought to be and who we actually are so we can experience true peace. And in his own body, in that union of divinity and humanity, Jesus proves that 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 peace for imperfect people longing for a peaceful world, that peace is possible for us too. Come on, y'all. Because Jesus, who perfectly lived the union of divinity and humanity, He's the answer to that fight that goes on inside of us, the the war between the person I've been and probably still am and the person I want to be. Those those two people are always at war with each other inside my brain. Y'all, I mean, just put up a Christmas tree and feel the pain. You know what I'm saying? I mean, most of us who are married, we would say the Christmas tree is proof that we can make it another year because we have not killed each other in the straightening of the tree. But that is inside of us, too. On my good days, somehow I managed to act like the person I want to be, but but let a little stress seep into my life or get into a conflict with somebody and the person I actually am shows up. I lean too heavily on my humanity and I forget I'm made in the image of God and I turn into something I don't like. And that's not just me. It's not just you. We all live divided lives. We all know that deep pain and disappointment of finding out all over again that we are really just two people fighting inside the same body for control. When we talk about Jesus being born of a woman then, we're talking about the one answer with power enough to speak peace into the divided mess that is us. And he can do it because he has lived it himself, has lived in the same tension we live in, this broken 5% that longs to see and understand the divine 95. This perfect union of father with son, of deity with humanity, is the miracle that makes sense of our mess because he lives in perfect unity within himself. Jesus, fully God, fully man, has imagined for us and demonstrated for us and carved out a pathway for us from chaos to peace. Thanks be to God. Just as the spirit of of God hovered over the chaos at the beginning of time and brought order out of that chaos, he also stands ready to create that miracle again and again in every life, hovering over your chaos and inviting you into peace. Jesus is the answer to the war that goes on between us and a fallen world. And between us and us, (laughs) we can't conquer that on our own steam. He shows it so. Jesus shows us it's possible to hold together the tension between who we are and who we were made to be. 
And that makes Jesus, word become flesh, born of a woman, all the more worthy of our worship. So can you put your hands together again? I could be wrong about this. But how interesting that this, hands together, is both a good try at visualizing the hypostatic union or theandric union, God, the God-man union that is Jesus, and it is also the sign of prayer. Every emoji tells us so. <laughs> it's our sign for worship and respect, but it's, it's, it's our sign for connection with God. So what if every time you use this emoji or every time you bow to pray, you train yourself to think about the power you are drawing on. This might be just a simple physical way to remind ourselves when the chaos starts to descend and the internal battles start to rage, this might be just our way of centering again on the truth that Jesus is still Lord, that I have access to more than just a good guy with some good advice to give. I have access to the powers of heaven when I call on the name of Jesus by faith. Mary will teach us when she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. She teaches us how to practice surrender by faith to all the Father has accomplished in and through the body of the Son, even before we understand how it all works. Her surrender allows Mary to step into a stunning call, trusting that what is unseen will hold her, will rise up to meet her as she steps off this cliff. And so can we. Can we believe right now, hands together, that the miracle that accomplished peace through the body of Jesus can actually accomplish peace in us too? How can this be, Mary said? I'm a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is now in her sixth month. So we've just talked about the power that was unleashed when the Father reached down to earth and brought together divinity with humanity. But there is also a reaching up in this story. And we can hear it in both stories, actually, Mary and Elizabeth, both of them, a very young woman and a very old woman, woman living out the call of God on their lives. Mary, this young woman, probably in her early teens, is told by this angel she's about to have her being overtaken by, enveloped by the Holy Spirit. And there is no way to talk about that without it sounding like violence to our sensitive modern ears. But this is not violence. This is the goodness of God overwhelming a person with favor and grace to show her a higher purpose. And Mary has an option here. Mary had an option. And she chooses to say a holy yes. 
or Mary. The miracle is faith enough to believe in the call of God to say yes to an invitation to participate in his purposes. And it's the same for Elizabeth. She's been called out of the deep pain of infertility and into a life of bearing God's plan into the world. She's a, she's a reminder to all of us who think that maybe the world has passed us by, that we're living in some kind of FOMO reality, fear of missing out, that it's, it's never too late. It's never too late. And both of these women received the empowerment of the Holy Spirit for the sake of the call of God. God has reached down, and they are invited to reach up. And I have to tell you, when I listened, and I did it this week, I just listened deeply to the conversation between Mary and an angel. The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. Even your, your, your relative Elizabeth, she's going to have a child in her old age. She was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Let that be a confirmation for you. When I listen deeply to that word being spoken over both of these women. I'm overwhelmed by how the call consumes us by how the Holy Spirit consumes us inside the call. So I don't even know which it is. Or, or Do we live this call inside the Holy Spirit? Or do we live, or does the Holy Spirit live inside this call? Or is it both? It's so beautiful. Friends, you were designed with a holy purpose in mind. God didn't just make you and say, well, didn't turn out the way I wanted it. Maybe I'll just figure out what to do with it later. <laughs> you were designed with a holy purpose in mind just as surely as these women, a purpose that cannot be fulfilled without the power of God beneath it and flowing through it and surrounding you, enveloping you. It reminds me of that moment, Matthew chapter 14. When Jesus, just before dawn, the guys are all out there on a boat, and Jesus decides to join them, so he just walks across the water. And Peter is like, what? It scares the bejeebies out of them, all of them. Bejeebies is Hebrew for stuffing. It scares the stuffing out of them. <laughs> Peter wants some of that action, or he just wants to figure out how this works. And so he asked Jesus to make him walk on water too. And Jesus does. And Peter starts walking across the water. And he's staring at Jesus, one foot in front of the other, walking across the waves. But then he gets distracted by the wind. That's what the story says. He gets distracted by the wind, gets distracted by the 5% he can see, feel, experience. And he starts to sink. And Jesus says as he reaches his hand down to pull Peter back up, why did you doubt? And I want to say to you, as you consider the call of God on your life, as you begin to reach up towards something that is bigger than you, that in order for this to work, you cannot take your eyes off Jesus. Because the circumstances, if it's a real call and it's bigger than you, the circumstances will scare the bejeebies out of you. But the circumstances 
are under the influence of a supernatural God. And that call, that need to keep your eyes on Jesus, eyes on Jesus, eyes on Jesus, that never goes away. Just this past week, 25 years in the, in the ministry, actually a lot more years of that than that into this call, I found myself taking my eyes off of Jesus and putting them on the circumstances, had that terrible fear of missing out feeling. It took my breath away. And everybody around me had to feel that. And Jesus reached down and he said, why are you doubting? Friends, you are designed to be consumed. It's what Mary learned. It's what Peter learned. It's what every person who steps into a supernatural call must, lo- must learn. The call is not an add-on. It will take you over. And the only way to walk in it without drowning is to trust that God is good, that he will accomplishes, accomplish what he promises. And so the angel says, no word from God will ever fail. And Mary says, okay, well then, let it be to me according to the purposes of God. That is confidence. Confidence is a serious spiritual weapon. Confidence is a serious weapon. Not arrogance. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about foolish, wishful thinking. We're not talking about prosperity gospel stuff right here. Name it and claim it. I'm not talking about that. I am talking about the quiet confidence that I know what I know. And that I can walk into whatever room I'm called into with faith and trust. Confidence is the voice of God, the plan of God, and the power that God breathes in, 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 as he breathes trust in him, into you. The enemy cannot be a fan of God confidence. He cannot be a fan of that. That's why you keep hearing those whispers in your ear. If you were really a question, you wouldn't have these doubts and these temptations or these thoughts about other people. If you really had Jesus, you would have changed by now. That's why you keep getting drawn into distraction, focusing on the 5% instead of the 95%. When you hear those things, when you get distracted and find yourself thinking, here is what your right response should be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I will say with Mary, I don't know why that tension remains in me between the faith I possess and my messed up humanity, but here's what I do know. I believe in God. I believe that no word from him will ever fail. I believe he won't change and that he is a rock I can stand on. I believe he is my peace. Can you put your hands together again and say... He is my peace. He is my peace. And when I reach for that peace, my fears are defeated. I don't have to understand it to pursue it. I just have to want it. I have to want the best and highest for my life so that God himself, Paul says this to the Thessalonians, God himself, the God of peace, can sanctify me through and through so that my whole spirit, soul, and body, by the same power that held Jesus' divinity and humanity together, might be kept blameless until he comes again. 
And Paul says to those new believers in Thessalonica, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Which is to say that whatever the circumstances, I can have peace. And I can have an assurance that I am not only saved but accepted. I can feel the freedom of that spiritually. And I can start walking in that direction. Even if I have no idea how it will all work out. That's okay. It's not my wits that get me there anyway. It's God. He will do it. My job is to keep my eyes on Him. To refuse to be distracted by the wind. So I ask you to stand if you will. And it seems, it seems right that we would take a prayer posture <laughs> that we teach every child to take, every child. It's a way of focusing us, but today is a way of reminding ourselves that we are calling on a supernatural God who has supernatural power. And who also understands us. He brings the power of his divinity together with the experience of your humanity. And he says, I got you. I got you. So in what part of your life right now are you dealing with a lack of peace because your eyes are not on Jesus. In what part of your life do you have you made Jesus an add-on when he is saying, no, 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 I, no, I want to consume you, envelop you, surround you, invest you with power to do far more than you could ask or imagine. What area of your life do you need the Prince of Peace to come and speak? We're going to take some time to pray right now. If what you need most is to come and get on your knees, put your hands together in front of the Lord, and say, I'm drawing on all the powers of heaven, the stuff I can see and the stuff I cannot see. If you, want it, if you need that, come now. You come now. the parts of us, the divided parts of us, the parts that are at war with each other, the parts that keep us doubting more than believing, the parts that keep us stuck in our circumstances, those parts sometimes get really loud at this time of year. It's just too much. It's like what Taylor said at the beginning of the service, it's, it's just too many things. So right now, God, I'm asking that you give us some eyes for nobody but you. Remind us, Jesus, 
as we place before you this circumstance, this thing I have going right now, this feels big. This feels like wind. It feels like it could knock me over. As we place these things before you, Lord, my prayer is that you would remind us that you are bigger. That you are God for us, Jesus. You bring all the forces of heaven into our prayers. And we say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're invited to come and pray. You are invited to sing where you are. Just a song of worship. Just, just really celebrates the coming of Jesus into the world. If you'd like prayer for anything, prayer for healing, for salvation, for deliverance, you come and find me. I'll be over at the side. I'd be so pleased to pray with you. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.